Hello, I'm Martin. And I'm Angelina. And this is the CX Cast. Welcome to 2050. Your website is a crumbling husk. Nobody's there, no one's visiting it. Your brand is doomed, but Julie Ask is here to save us. Welcome, Julie Ask, to the CX cast. You've, you've seen the future, and you're going to help us understand where we're going, aren't you? I'm going to try. I'm definitely going to try. So for those of you who haven't tuned into the previous podcast, Julie talked last time about digital experiences, proliferation of digital touch points. But Julie, if people haven't listened to that, just quickly, what do you cover at Forrester? Yeah, so broadly what I do is I help our clients make smart, uh, data-driven decisions around where and how to serve their consumers in a digital environment. So I help them make good decisions about what devices and platforms and channels and interfaces they should use to deliver digital content and services to their customers. So why is it you believe that our websites are going to be deserted in 2050? Because websites are not the best way for us to get so many things done. Websites in some ways are, they're very arrogant. Brands have said, we can do this and this and this and this and this, and they've built these monstrosities of digital experiences by bolting on new services and new content over the past 30, 35 years, and then added some navigation bars. And they're hoping that when consumers show up, they'll find their way through this maze of content and services to get whatever job done they need to get done. And there are some days when consumers have the time and the energy and the right kind of need to navigate through that website. And it's probably even an enjoyable experience for them. They may be trying to learn because they're trying to buy a new car or they want to be entertained. But when consumers get into a mode of, hey, I just need to get a job done. I need peace of mind. I'm trying to achieve a goal. They want to move much more quickly. And we've got mechanisms and touch points that help consumers do that. So are websites going away? Are they just going to disappear? No, I don't think websites are going away. So, you know, I like to say, Martin, that for those of us that are your age and my age, we probably remember something called the Yellow Pages. And I watched a friend of mine use the Yellow Pages (laughs) to find a car mechanic probably just like three or four months ago. We don't use them as often, but Yellow Pages are still around. So when we think about the touch points that consumers have, everything tends to be an and rather than an or. So you're still going to have a website. It's just going to be deserted because consumers are going to found like better, more efficient, easier, more fulfilling ways to either be entertained, to learn things or to get jobs done. So when we think about these moments that customers have today, let's say customers have at least several hundred digital moments a day where I go to read something, we're recording a podcast, I'm doing email, whatever it may be. Probably 70, 80, 90% of those moments today are in a mobile app or on a website today. Like digital is dominated by websites and mobile apps. But even if we look about like one of the biggest technological phenomenon of this year is generative AI. Generative AI allows me to use my natural language, whether it's English or whatever it may be, to type in questions or to say things and get back what I need. So conversational interfaces will begin to take over and be a bigger percentage of the engagement that brands have with consumers 
And then there's a whole category of what I call like jobs to be done or tasks or peace of mind where brands are going to get much, much better at anticipating the needs of their customers and serving them proactively through some kind of a push notification. SMS is a very dated technology today, but it could be lights, it could be haptic signals, it could be puffs of air that alert us and let us know that, you know, the tea kettle is ready to be turned off or that a meeting has started. You know, why should I get a little pop-up that a meeting is starting in 15 minutes? Why not a puff of air or something more pleasant to alert me? I would love that. So yeah, you know, when we think about the the interfaces of the digital touch points we have today, like just a few or just like a few dozen of them dominate, but it's just going to be a more fragmented landscape in the future where there's dozens and dozens of ways that we can get access to content and services and not just a few that dominate. Well, first of all, thank you for mentioning generative AI so that our transcript has stronger SEO. You've moved us way up the list there. Appreciate that. You're very welcome. Secondly, who are you talking to for this research? Because if everyone's kind of behind in their thinking, where do you go to get an idea of what's what's up and coming? Well, there's a couple things. So one is the future is always around us. There just isn't very much of it. Like if we think back, Angelina, to proactive notifications, So someone like me, I have been driving for, I don't know, about 40 years. And even like the oldest cars, I'd get into the car and if I didn't buckle my seatbelt, you know, something would beep and it would let me know. Or if I didn't close the car door all the way, a little light would come up on my display panel and tell me, or that I needed gas because like the gas is low in my car. We've had machines anticipating our needs and giving us signals for decades. More recently, what this looks like is, you know, if I order pizza, I'll get a notification that it's, you know, the order has been received or it's almost at my door. An airline will tell me that it's time to board a flight, right? So brands more recently have been anticipating our needs and serving us more proactively in real time. And so it's less of, hey, there's this brand new thing that no one's ever seen before that's coming. And it's more of, hey, these little glimpses of the future are all around us in very small quantities, but there's going to be far more of them as we look into the future. Mobile messaging and how mobile messaging is done today is one of the places we look for inspiration because a mobile message literally is like the manifestation of like the smallest amount of something you can send to someone. It's proactive. So you're kind of, you're hitting on two concepts for me there, which I think we're probably hardwired in a digital world of thinking of. We think about screens too much. So you've mentioned puffs of air or bings or whatever. So there's something about the delivery mechanism message, but there's also something about the the anticipatory nature of what you're talking about. So we, I know when we've talked about in the past, we've used the example of like an airline. If you're checking, we, we know a lot of context about users that we don't leverage. It's like you're checking in for the airline, you're standing in the airport, great, check in. You're opening up the airline app and you're five hours from the airport and the plane takes off in an hour. The airline knows something about that, but most airlines aren't particularly doing, oh, you probably need some service recovery, you need a new flight. So like, how are you defining these anticipatory experiences and like, where are you finding them? Okay, so there's a few dimensions that we think about when we think about these anticipatory experiences. So one, Martin, and I think this is very important for customer experience professionals, is the type of the journey. So most anticipatory experiences we see today are what we call very well understood journeys. So food delivery, boarding a flight, actually treating cancer, setting up a medical appointment and getting somebody to show up. There's some very well understood journeys that customer experience professionals have mapped out. 
And so it's less about anticipating, but giving the impression of anticipating because we've watched this pattern of behavior, I don't know, for like more than a decade. So that's the first type. The second type is what we call watching and listening very closely. And this you see with, you know, a lot of, you know, whether it's journey orchestration tools or RTI, you know, real-time interaction management tools, companies are trying to develop the technology to watch really closely. So we go back to this example of you, you're walking into a supermarket and the door opens in front of you. It's not literally anticipating a need, but it's being triggered by seeing you or some kind of a sensor. So it's watching and listening very closely to know that you're about to go through that door. And then the third type is truly using artificial intelligence and machine learning to truly anticipate a need that I didn't even know that I had. I had this example one time where I had taken some medication and I was having an allergic reaction to it, but I didn't know that. But if you know we were using some kind of machine learning and it didn't know what I'd eaten that day, what medication I'd taken, whether I'd flown or not, it probably could have put the pieces together and said, this is probably what's going on, right? So one of them is the type of journey and that's evolving. And there's many levels of sophistication, but I'll tell you about one more. The second one is the nature of what companies are doing if they can anticipate a need. And mostly what companies are doing today, what we call pushing out content. Hey, your flight is boarding, your food is almost here, it's time to take some medication. But as we look into the future, companies will do more to make suggestions. And then ultimately those brands that we trust so much will even allow them to be agents and take action on our behalf. You give some examples that customers would definitely want. As a patient, I would want to know what's going on when I'm getting an allergic reaction or that it's an allergic reaction for that matter. But as we up the dialogue, there may be some unwanted interactions and then we're spending all of our time unsubscribing. Yes. <laughs> so is this something customers at large really want or brands are just realizing there's an opportunity here to engage more? I think it's a really good question, Angelina, right? And this is where I think we have to really parse out what the need of the customer is. So when we think about tasks that customers have to get done, you know, I'm trying to get in, get something done and get out fast because it's just something I need to get done or I need peace of mind. I want to know that I have enough money in the bank to cover my bills or to cover my mortgage. I want to know what the status is of an insurance application, right? I need that peace of mind or I've got some kind of a goal and somebody's helping me track my progress. I don't really want to engage with the brand. So slowly over time, I'm going to share some data with the brand. They're going to deliver some value. They're going to build some trust. And we call this our uh, value flywheel. I'll share a little bit more data, get a little bit more value. I'll build more trust and this will ramp up. But brands need to be very careful about how they approach anticipating customers' needs and what they deliver in exchange, right? Starting with content and ultimately going to suggestions before taking action. So they've got to be very careful about how they go down this path with choosing the right use cases and being very slow and methodical and getting this done over time so that it doesn't freak people out. So I can see how this, this kind of riffs off a bunch of other research we talked about on this podcast, that value for customer, gaining consent, trust. So there's a lot to this. Where, If you're in 2023 mm -hmm. and you're looking forward to 2050, where do you start now? What do you do? So the short answer is you build a smart strategy, right? You choose smart use cases. You talk about the low hanging fruit and the things that you know consumers don't want to spend time on. You need to think about your data strategy. Very little of this is going to come from buying third party data or even the first party data that you may have from customers. And first party data, right, is the data that a brand needs from us, like our name and our address and our credit card to do business with us, right? You need to start thinking about a zero party data strategy and how am I going to learn and how am I going to exchange value? You need to think about using Forrester's tools. We have a tool called the 3D Connected Consumer that helps our clients understand where 
consumers are accessing the internet. And then a tool called the Moments Map that helps our clients understand a consumer's progression from, oh, I didn't know that I could use chat to communicate with a brand to I've tried it and I use it and I'm comfortable and ultimately it's a preference, right? So first, smart strategy, smart uh, digital touchpoint choices, look into the future, like look around the corner, you know, see what's next. And there's a lot that companies can do there. In addition to that, we have been working on building what we call a competency map for the past 18 months, where we have identified about 60 competencies that brands need to anticipate the needs of their customers and start delivering on this future vision of consumer services. So it goes everywhere from like marketing to your data strategy, to customer analytics strategy, digital business strategy, your contact center strategy. And we are in the process of building out what I call these competency grids. Like if you're just getting started on identity resolution, if you're just getting started on privacy protecting technology or journey orchestration tools, where do you start and what are your next two or three steps forward? And then if you can identify a competency, we're like, oh yeah, we need to do that. Then what is the strategy, the talent, the processes, the metrics, and the technology that you need to get that done? I didn't mean to get such a complicated answer, but it's a huge process because you're really talking about, you know, you've got this governance in place today at your company that's about your website or about a mobile app. And now you're saying, okay, like how do we build a machine or build a digital engine and put that in motion? to really go after, you know, dozens of digital touch points and have the customer see us as one brand and do that effectively. It's going to take a very, very big mental shift here over the next like five to 10 years. And Forrester is just at the early stages of trying to help our clients build that path forward. Yeah, and it, it demands a complex answer because it is an incredibly complex question. You, you mentioned on a previous podcast, you identified some, what, 300 plus digital touch points out there, mm -hmm. 70 of them are kind of common. So we're seeing this emergent space. It's going to keep transforming throughout this time we're talking about. But I think the piece for me that really resonates is get your data strategy right now, because none of this is going to work unless you really deeply understand your customers and have consent to use that data and the customers trust you. Yes. And I also believe this is a very multidisciplinary approach, right? So a marketing team may be accustomed to owning uh, identity resolution, privacy protecting technologies, customer data platforms, you know, maybe even CRM. So there's like a marketing team that may be starting that, but you need like an architecture team, like a contact center team, a customer experience team, right? It's a very multidisciplinary approach, Martin. And I think that's also, you know, one of the things that makes that difficult because we're not used to working that way, right? And data strategy is part of that. And it's, you know, sometimes those are enterprise data architects and sometimes those are in the customer analytics group, but you need a data quality strategy, governance strategy. You need strategies around transparency with artificial intelligence. You need ethics in your AI. You need generative AI, right? There's a lot of different flavors of this as well whose data, what data. And I think Martin also, a lot of this conversation has been focused on the assumption that it's one brand serving one company, but ultimately this future is of a virtual assistant or an agent where I can be looking at all of the brands within a consumer's ecosystem and assembling those experiences and delivering to the customer. We can see complexity as far out as we look. It's exciting though. It means there's opportunity. Yeah. And with that complexity, there are probably a lot of observations to be made of what success looks like, right? So internally, it's increasing those competencies. And then what are, I mean, can you even summarize the different ways we could see success with this? Yeah, so my colleague Brandon Purcell and I have been mapping out what success looks like in probably about a dozen different industries. We've been talking a lot about anticipatory experiences, 
which are brands anticipating the need of a customer and serving them proactively. And when I say a customer need, I don't necessarily mean a business need, right? My need may be empathy in that moment. It may be that I need a break on paying a bill and I need a few extra days to pay, right? There's a lot of things that a customer may need. Then on the other hand, you've got a marketing and a sales group that's got metrics around selling and acquisition. And those are business needs. And when business needs overlap with customer needs, that's what we call next best experiences, which is a topic that my colleague Brandon Purcell covers. And Angelina, that gets exactly to when you get to next best experiences, which are the intersection of where you're anticipating the need of a customer and the need of the business overlaps, then the ideal metric is customer lifetime value with everyone in your organization working towards customer lifetime value. So that's the kind of the pinnacle, like long vision, I would say. But when anticipatory experiences, it could just be the smallest thing, like, you know, opening the door for Martin so you can get into the supermarket, which may or may not deliver, you know, any near term or measurable business value. So there's a bit of a kind of start small, start with things that are tangible, scale out, which is not, I mean, hardly a surprising message, but a sound one. Yes, I would say for two reasons. Like on one hand, if you're going to get your customers to trust you and give you more data, you've got to deliver small amounts of value along the way. One of the examples I think, Martin, you know, we've used in our research is with uh, Chick-fil-A. They ask you to share location, which is a bit of data. Each time you place an order from the mobile app and exchange, they ensure that your food is hot when you show up at the restaurant to pick it up. It's a very simple value exchange. You share your location, I give you hot food. That's a very simple exchange there. I think the other part of it is too, you know, Martin, you talked about the creepiness and this is an analogy I'm going to take from my colleague, AJ Joplin, who's on the customer experience team. You know, she talks about giving customers something small, like building them the cupcake and allowing them to experience delight by eating the cupcake. And then you build like the birthday cake before you build like the three tiered wedding cake. You build this up over time. But yes, I think it's also just critical too, to prove to the folks internally that this is worth doing by getting small wins and showing the business value of some of these small wins before you move into some of the bigger investments. So a, a bleak future, it's 2050, your website is deserted, but possibly your digital experiences are thriving if you follow Julie's advice. Thank you, Julie. Absolutely. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forester.com. As always, you can find us at forester.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights.